and turn your Bibles, if you would, to Daniel 2. We continue our study, Faith in the Face of Adversity. I think it's a pertinent study during this time. And as we look at this uh, today, we want to remember that last week we started chapter 2, and I intended to get all the way through, but I, I bit off more than I could choose. So we're coming back to look at the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, and we're looking at that dream explained, and then really what it means to us. Because we're, as we think about this subject today, we're talking about world history, history of the world. So young people, pay attention. You might not have lived through this. I didn't live through a lot of this, but we, we got to know where we were, what we've done, where we've come from, so that we can go to where God wants us to go. And so pay attention closely to the history part of it. But more than that, we want to talk about the, the history of your world. What is God doing in, in your world? Not just the world, but your world. And so as we do, there are lots of things that confuse us, are there not? You know, I don't understand sometimes how uh, heinous criminals can get acquitted for crimes and never spend any time in prison. And others who seem to do something much less spend a lot of time in prison. I, I don't understand how God can use um, the evil in the world for His good. We'll talk a little bit about that today. But but I know He does. I know He does that with Nebuchadnezzar in ancient Babylon. He was one of the wicked, most wicked, most evil, most cruel uh, men, leaders in the ancient world. If you Google wicked leaders in the ancient world, you'll come to a History Channel deal, and at the top of the list of those wicked men is Nebuchadnezzar II. Well, that's who we're dealing with here. The ruler of Babylon in 600 BC. I don't know how God could use somebody like that, but I know in the scripture he uses a donkey to rebuke a money loving prophet named Balaam. I know he uses a, ra- a raven to feed uh, his depressed, discouraged prophet Elijah. I-, I know he uses a rooster to uh, remind Peter of his denial of Jesus. If he can use a donkey, He can use a raven. He can use a rooster. He can use you and me. And he most certainly can use Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of the entire world at that time. In fact, what we see in history is is a transfer of power, so to speak, that God was working with his people, the Jewish people. And then it begins to transfer into the Gentile world with Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. And so I want you to catch that part. But there's implications that apply, not just for history, but for you and for me in our day. Today's our day. What do we do because we hear God speaking uh, to us? So lots of things confuse us. I, this, this virus is confusing, is it not? I mean, I know my son got it and his wife who lives with him, and I'm pretty sure they didn't practice social distancing all the time, didn't get it. I know that happened for our our, uh, our fellow congregant, uh, Susan Durham. She got it, and Keith didn't get it, her husband. I know that happens all over the place, and we we wonder how this whole thing works. It's a, mysteri- it's a mystery. It's mysterious, is it not? And sometimes we wonder that same kind of thing is, what's God doing? What's God up to? Well, He is the revealer of mysteries. And that's what we've seen in Daniel to this point. Just a little review. Remember in chapter 1, we see Daniel, this this young man of great courage and character and conviction. Also, 
A young man of great courtesy, God uses in chapter 1 to take a stand for what's right and for what God has called him to. Then we see chapter 2 at the beginning of that, that Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and it, he either forgets the dream or he wants to put all his wise men to the test to see if they know the dream and then the interpretation. And because uh, his wise men say no one can ask that, he says, is that your final answer? And they say, yes. And and he says, well, I'm going to kill you all and I'm going to tear you limb for limb. And, and Daniel says, wait a minute, king. We saw last week his poise in the face of adversity and and we saw that he persuaded the king to give him more time and he persuaded his friends to pray for him and they began to pray for him and God revealed that dream and Daniel gave them praise. And Daniel all the time was pointing to the Lord. He was pointing the, the ruler of the inhabited world, Nebuchadnezzar, to the ruler of the entire world, the one true God, Yahweh. And so that's where we take up Daniel interprets, Daniel tells him the dream and interprets the dream in chapter 2 beginning with verse 31. I want you to see this dream. And so there's going to be some images because that's how dreams work, is it not? We forget the details and they're kind of mysterious and they're kind of weird. And so we found this and I want you to see it, but I also want you to follow along in your copy of scripture. I hope you brought it in Daniel 2, 31. So so watch the screen and also just listen to the words of Daniel 2, 31 through 49 and follow along with us. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word? In verse 31, Daniel 2, Daniel says to the king Nebuchadnezzar, In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. He was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze, its legs were iron, and its, its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. And as you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. And then the wind blew them away without a trace like shaft on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That was the dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. That makes sense, doesn't it? We need to know what this means. But Daniel's saying we, and yet he stands before Nebuchadnezzar by himself. What he's saying is, I can't, and he's already said, I can't tell you what this dream means, but the Lord and I can do it. The Lord can speak through me to interpret this dream and vision. He's the one who's gifted me. And, and so we see in verse 37, Your majesty, you're the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty Power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold on this statue. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. And after that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by bronze will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and 
crush all previous empires just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided like iron mixed with clay. It will have some of the strength of iron, but while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. And this mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage, but they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reign of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness. And it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future, and the dream is true, and its meaning is certain. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, He threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. And he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. And the king said to Daniel, Truly, your God is the greatest of gods. The Lord over kings. A revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal the secret. And then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. And he made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over all his wise men. And at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. You may be seated as God blesses the reading, hearing, and applying of His Word. So, this is crazy, isn't it? You think about whether we are puzzled or confused by by prophecy. A lot of times in prophecy we've got to determine what all these images mean. And uh, dreams are kind of like that for us anyway. And, and yet Daniel gives us the interpretation so we can understand what's going on here. And what happens here, much of it has already taken place. He's talking about the history of the world from that time, 600 B.C., all the way through the Roman Empire, which is about almost 500 A.D., a long period of time in the rising and falling uh, of kingdoms. And so what takes place starts with where they were, Babylon. The king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, is the head of gold. Babylon was known for its gold. Uh, a historian a hundred years after that came and said, I didn't know there was so much gold in the world. I couldn't even imagine there would be that much gold. So they that was symbolized by that. And, and Nebuchadnezzar had to say, well... Man, I'm the head of gold. He's, he's feeling his, his own self-importance. And then Daniel lowers the boom and says that your kingdom's falling. And the next kingdom that's going to take place, which also the book of Daniel covers, is the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And that's the, the chest and the two arms representing the Medes and the Persians. And, and that's silver. And you see it's de- decreasing in value, but it's also increasing in strength. And the head of 
of the Medes and the Persians ultimately is going to be Cyrus, the ruler of that particular kingdom. The next one is the the belly and the thighs of bronze, which in history and in Daniel chapter 8 represent the Greeks. Uh, Alexander the Great, never heard of that name in history? Alexander the Great died at the age of 33, and one of the things he died from was just a heartache and a depression because there was no more lands to conquer. He ruled the world. All of these world empires were ruling the world at that particular time. And so after the Greeks, about 50, 60 years before Jesus came, comes the kingdom of iron. Who is it? Rome. Rome, they ruled with an iron fist. They had such a great military that they put down all rebellions and riots. Now, why is all of that important? Because during that period of time, the key passages in verse 44 and 45, we're going to look at it again in just a moment. That's the time when God saw the fullness of time. Everything was ready. Everything was ripe for the coming of the fixer. Of all that was broken. His name is Jesus. And during the Roman Empire, Jesus came. And Galatians 4.4 says it was the fullness of time. When time literally was pregnant, it gave birth to the Son of God. What made that time fruitful? God working His plan through Human history. Why was it so important during that time? Well, I think there are two key factors in my mind that were going on in the Roman world. Imagine this. Now, again, young people, listen to this. this is history. Stay with us, okay? Stay with us. We've got to stay with this history. We're coming back to some more history in just a little bit. But as, as we think about, about what's going on, the, the Romans had dominated the world to the point where they had squelched all opposition and there's something going on called the Pax Romana. Say that with me, will you? Pax Romana. Pax Romana. Doesn't that sound cool? You know a little Latin now. That just means the Roman peace. They wanted to keep peace at all costs. And one of the reasons that brought about the fullness of time is what Paul writes about in 1 Timothy 2. I want you to hear this. Paul writes, said, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. That's a good word for us during this time, is it not? Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. And pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. Now, the Romans were in authority while Paul is writing these words. And some of those Roman Emperors are on that list with Nebuchadnezzar in the ancient world. A guy named Caligula, a guy named Nero. They were wicked men. And he's saying, pray for them, all who are in authority, so we can live peaceful. The Roman peace, Pax Romana, and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. And here's why. 1 Timothy 2.4. Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. He's asking us to pray for peace so that people aren't worried about surviving. 
so that they can understand the spiritual realm, the things that God is doing all around them, and then they accept those things and they become saved. That's what we ought to be praying for, that God would use these chaotic times and bring about peace, not just so that we can get back to life as usual, but so that we uh, can be used by God to help people understand we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in that same boat that Christ has died on the cross. We can believe that He's covered our sins there and then we can choose to follow Him right here, right now. And that's for everybody. God desires everybody. Sometimes people think, well, I'm not good enough to be saved. Well, nobody is. That's the whole point. We can't save ourselves. We must rely on what Jesus has done, the finished work of the cross. So that's one thing, the, the Pax Romana. The other thing I want you to see that was going on in the Roman world, that, that long before it ever happened, some 500 plus years that Daniel is, is interpreting the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And by the way, it, 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 why would God give it to this pagan king? He just wants to prove that he, he uses whoever he wants to use. But why would... Uh, so, so the next element of the Roman Empire is just the road system that allowed the gospel to spread. You know, we had these interstates. You know why we developed those interstates? It's, again, history here. Those interstates are so we don't have to stop in those towns because they were intended to transport our troops so they could go from one end of the country to the other without ever uh, being delayed. That's what was going on. You know where they, they got that idea from the Romans? And the troops were being transported. You know what else traveled along those Roman roads? The gospel. The apostle Paul. God knew what he was doing then. In history, he was engineering his great plan. Why is that important? Why is this dream some 2,600 years old important right now? So what? Well, if he knows then, he knows now. What you know, what you need, what, what he's doing, even amidst us. So if you got that outline on the back of your bulletin, let's start that. And let's just talk about what I hope I've explained that dream enough. Now, there's a part of that, that crushing rock we're going to get to later, and those feet of iron and clay. Those feet of iron and clay hasn't happened yet. The Roman Empire just kind of dispersed, and there's going to be a new Roman Empire in the end times, most people would say. So it's a little harder to deal with the prophecy that hadn't come about yet. But we know from the prophecy that it has already been fulfilled in history that uh, the, the next prophecy can be trusted. I just can't give you great details about that. Stay tuned. Stay tuned to what the Lord is doing. Uh, stay sensitive to His Spirit. And, and he'll show us clearly what's going to happen there. But, but in the, in the meantime, we can draw a lot from what's already been, um, given to us. And here's one of the things I want us to see if on the back of your bulletin on that outline. The first thing is this. History's determined by the hand of God. Yeah, you ought to, there's an amen, a, a silent amen. She'll give it to us loud if we want her to, right? You think about this for just a moment. History is determined by... Nebuchadnezzar thought he was ruling the world. He thought he was the head man in charge. And yet God, Daniel tells him, uh, um, 
that God is the one who gave him sovereignty and power and authority. And Nebuchadnezzar is not in charge of all this. Nebuchadnezzar has all the wealth and the health and, and all the wisdom available to him, but it's not enough to keep him from staying up at night by this dream. There's some things that are out of even the most powerful people in the world's control. One of the things in our world is this virus. They don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You think about what's going on in our world. And so we we think about the hand of God working. And, and we know that Daniel has already said that, that in chapter 2 and verses 20 and 21, that it is God who controls the course of world events. And He removes kings and sets up other kings, and He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge. So we, we praise Him. All wisdom and power is the Lord's. The, the history of the world is in His hand. And so if it is, don't you want to be in tune and in touch with Him? Don't you want to be on the same page with the one in charge? The one who's sovereign? The one in control? The one who wins? I do. And I hope you do as well. And so when we, we look at what the Word says, Psalm 75, 7 says, It is God alone who judges. He decides who will rise and who will fall. And Proverbs 16.9 says that we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Have you found that to be true? <laughs> we make our plans. We've, we're setting off in this direction. We're looking toward the future. Here's what we want to do. And we ought to always be saying, the Lord willing... Because the Lord can turn those plans around in a heartbeat, can He not? And we want to make sure we're on His page and in tune with Him. And so as we think about what we're, we're learning from the history of the world, we know we got to be in His hand. And we are when we've committed ourselves to Him because the history of the world is there, but also His people are in His hand. He's protecting, providing for them. The second thing I want you to see is God can use even evil empires for his purposes even the brokenness and suffering of this world and we've talked about that over and over again Nebuchadnezzar's that evil man remember and God is using him and I'll just say one more quick word about that is that the darker the days get in our world and they may get a lot darker than they are now for our community and our country and our state and all of what's going on. I don't know what's going on in the future. But the darker the days become, the brighter the light of Jesus Christ. You can trust Him. He's never let us down. We won't be disappointed. Because He is the rock that holds. He's the one that crushes in this dream Nebuchadnezzar has. The rock is Jesus. 
And He crushes all the other kingdoms. And the kingdom of God is the kingdom that's going to prevail. Look again at verses 44 and 45 of chapter 2 here. And you see, during the reign of all these empires, all these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. And it will crush these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. And that's the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces all the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. And God's showing Nebuchadnezzar, He's showing us the kingdom that would stand. Every other empire, every other government, <laughs> folks, you look around. It's fragile. It doesn't last. That's the third thing on your outline there. Every human empire, every earthly empire is, is temporary. Everyone. I don't like to think about that for America. I'm proud to be an American. But let, let's just consider something for just a moment. Anybody in this place old enough to remember 1980? Anybody? Raise your hand if you're old enough to remember 1980. You know, you remember 1980? Some of you. It's 40 years ago now. Some of you can remember 1980. You remember in, in 1980 there was the Lake Placid Olympics and you remember the miracle on ice. Young people, Netflix, go watch the miracle. Okay? It's a wonderful story about a hockey team, the Americans who were the, the ultimate underdogs because they were facing the evil empire, the USSR, the Russians. You, you think they had won the last four Olympics and it's a great story about how they overcame all of that. It's called, uh, I think his name was Al Michaels said, uh, uh, do you believe in miracles? And so it's called the miracle on ice, this whole event. But in 1980, there was a, a, a great, what we thought of as the communist, the evil empire. Remember that? American, the Cold War and, and all that. Raise your hand if you remember what I'm talking about. A little bit. All right. You're as old as I am. Or almost. I was 11 when the miracle on ice happened. Now tell me where the USSR is. The, U, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic. Anybody know where that is? It's not around. 1991, it went away. It dissolved. It started in 1917 and ended in 1991, probably because the Americans whipped the USSR, right? No, I'm not. At their own game. The point I'm trying to make is those great empires, they rise and they fall. Every Earthly empire is temporary, including you and me. Jennifer's granny was born in 1907. She lived till 2009. 102. I did, did her funeral and, and it said January 15, 2007 dash about January 5th, 2009. On her, almost 102 on her tombstone. You think about that. What, what does the world reward a life of 102 with? Think about this for just a moment. Every, every life, the world rewards it with a hole in the ground and a dash between your point of, of birth and your point of death. 
Just a dash. Everybody, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, or whether you're famous or whether you're obscure and nobody knows you, whether you're, you're uh, old or whether you're young, it doesn't matter. What you get is a hole in the ground and a dash between the dates. And what really matters is that dash. Is it not? We're all going to face the fact that our empire, our life, is temporary here on earth. That's solemn, isn't it? It's kind of discouraging, isn't it? I hate to think about saying goodbye ever to anybody. I don't like that. But can I share some other news with you? That if we keep focused on things beyond this world, that there's a better life. See, we think our dream world is has to do with stuff a lot of times, or 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 trips, or or uh, stuff money can buy, or or. Or maybe just our little family all getting together and all of being um, nice to each other and just enjoying life together. And, and yet the dream world for the Christian is more. is more than that. It's a peace that passes understanding in the midst of chaos. It, it's, it's abiding joy in the face of trouble. And trials, and it's a hope that God can be trusted, that He's faithful. It's more than just a hole in the ground and, and a dash. Would you hear again the scripture from First John? He says in First John uh, two fifteen, "Don't love this world nor the things it offers, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you." For the world offers only, here's the young people, listen to this. A craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions, and these are not from the Father, but are of the world. And this world is fading away. All you're going to have is a hole in the ground and a dash. From this world. But the story doesn't end there. Along with everything that people crave, it's fading away. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. The way God designed us to live. In a perfect place. As perfect people. And the only way to get there is through a person, Jesus. The place we're talking about is heaven. And the way that we get there is we run to the rock. Because the last thing I want you to see here is that Jesus is the center of history. History is His story. And so we've got to find ourselves in His story. Think about this for just a moment. And again, this is something that young people don't even know about. And young people, you ever, you ever written a check? I know if you worked at the bank, you know a little bit about checks, but I haven't written a check in so long I forget sometimes what the date 
even is. But the, if you were to write the date today, sometimes you have to do that on a, a homework paper or something. You know that. July 26th, 2020. What's that 2020 from? You, you know? It's from the approximate birth of Jesus Christ. 2,020 years from the one who's the center of it all. Everything before that we call B.C., before Christ. And, and so when we think about what all of history is about, you can know history and not know Jesus. And you've missed the point of God's plan and the point of history. Jesus. You see, He's the rock that establishes the kingdom that grows into the mountain that rules all others forever and ever. And He's either your rock of salvation or He is a rock of stumbling. He's either the one you build your life upon, that solid foundation of, or He's the one you find under. You're under the the rock of His judgment. I don't know, but I know I want to be on that solid rock. Especially when times are tough. I want my anchor to hold and grip Him. Do you? You can. Today can be the time. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to sing about how we love Him, but if you don't know Him, you really can't appreciate and love Him fully. We want you to know Him. And we want you to, to be in relationship with the God of history who holds their, the whole world in His hand. And the only way you do that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. He's made a way through the cross, His finished work, so that you and I, and live with confidence in these days. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we thank You for all You've taught us from this passage, Lord. There's so much here. Father, so often we live our lives focused on temporary things. Would you remind us, Lord, of how fleeting our life is, how quick it passes, and how urgent it is that we get right with you. All of what we give ourselves to, building our little kingdoms, all going to pass when we pass. But anything we do for you and everything that you're leading us into and, and preparing us for will last forever. Give us that vision, Lord. Help that be our dream. In your holy name we pray. Jesus.